Hello, my name is Paul Matthew Carr, and I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome, everybody, to this thing that I do. It's called the Elcast, and I'm Paul Matthew Carr, and I like to make things up and write them down. Occasionally, I take those written-down things and I say them aloud into a microphone, thus causing those things to be copied to an audio file to be listened to at a later date. In other words, welcome to this podcast. Today, I have for you a very special Star Wars edition of the program in anticipation of the release of Rogue One, which will happen in just a few days. Well, unless you're listening to this after it's already been released, then it would be a, I don't know, retrospective in honor of the release of Rogue One. Whatever. Time is a mystery. I don't, I don't know how far in the future you are, but for me, it's still the past. And I'm looking forward to what looks like a really great movie. Of course, I said that about The Phantom Menace as well before it came out, and that turned out to be an interesting effort. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No, we are here to talk about Star Wars. The original, the first, numero uno, the one that started it all. In 1977, I was eight years old. When Star Wars was released, it was not simply a movie, it was everything. And that's not an exaggeration. In a very real sense, it was everything, all-encompassing. It permeated every aspect of our lives. I had posters in my room, and Star Wars sheets and blankets. I read the comic books and the novelization. I had the toys, action figures, and models of the ships. I had a lightsaber that was really just a flashlight with an expandable plastic cover, but I had a lightsaber. I had the album of the movie. Not the soundtrack, mind you, but the entire movie. Dialogue and sound effects and everything. It was on a double LP, and I listened to it every day. I dressed as Darth Vader for Halloween that year. It was just a plastic mask and a printed coveralls, you know, the kind you get from a box at Woolworths. But it was awesome. And references to Star Wars were everywhere. On TV, from The Tonight Show, to Saturday Night Live, to Donahue. And on the radio, from the DJ's Pratter to the commercials between. And the Cantina song was in regular rotation. You could get novelty glasses at Burger King and collectible placemats at Pizza Hut. But more than the toys and the publicity and the hype, it changed our play. I remember my grandmother, who hated the film, say once, It's just cowboys and Indians in spacesuits. And she meant that as an insult, but I took it as profound. Because yes, of course that's what it was. And it was also King Arthur, and it was Robin Hood, and it was the Lone Ranger, and it was Flash Gordon and superheroes. It was an adventure story, it was a western, it was high fantasy, it was pop sci-fi. It was everything old done new, fresh. It was every genre mixed together and done differently. And I saw myself and my friends who once pretended to be knights in shining armor with broadswords become Jedi with lightsabers. We were once cowboys with six guns, and then we became space pirates with blasters. We were still young heroes that could save the princess, except now the princess was an alien. Our games changed. Our imaginations changed. Everything changed. All because of a silly little movie. A wonderful, brilliant, glorious little movie. After its initial run, Star Wars would be re-released in theaters every so often, usually with a little tweak. 
some enhanced sound or cleaned up effect. It seems that even back then, George Lucas couldn't keep his hands off his creation. And of course, my friends and I would go see it every single time, multiple times, and we'd love it every time. And one year, on the film's fifth year anniversary re-release, I did something. It was exciting and just a little bit illegal. It seems ridiculous to me now, but at the time it was completely normal. I went and saw the film 12 times in a row. Thing is, I didn't exactly pay for it every time. And I'm going to tell you the details right after this break. Hey there. Do you like Man-Thing? You know I do. In fact, there is nothing I like more than getting my hands on a giant-sized Man-Thing. It just makes me feel so good. Wait. You know I'm talking about the comic book character, right? Of course you do. How could you be thinking anything else? Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you too can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre. Oh, and I'll probably make some penis jokes. The year was 1982. I was 13 years old, it was late summer, and I had no friends. Well, no friends that were around, anyway. You see, that summer my family had moved to a different neighborhood where... I didn't know anyone, and the people I did know were way across town, and most were off doing things like camp and vacation. That left me on my own to venture out and find exciting things to do and new people to meet. That is to say, I stayed in the house and watched TV most of the time. My mother worked long hours. My older brother was off doing older brother things, so most of my company was Lucy and the Brady Bunch and Gilligan. Occasionally, played Atari or listen to music, and eventually I actually began to anticipate the return of school. At least, when school started, there'd be something to do, someone to talk to. It was shaping up to be a miserable summer. And then, as if to ease my bored and lonely soul, fate stepped in, and Star Wars was re-released in theaters for a limited run. This, I should point out, was a big deal. There were no video releases yet, that wouldn't happen until later in the year. And it wasn't shown on TV, well, I suppose it was shown on cable, but I didn't have cable, therefore for me, it was not shown on TV. So the only way to see Star Wars was to see it when it was occasionally re-released in theaters. And so, with joy in my heart and a spring in my step, I set off on a Monday, around lunchtime, with $3 in my pocket. Matinees were $2.50. In case you're curious. I hopped on my BMX, and I powered my way to the nearest movie theater. That theater was in a strip mall. It was a double theater, and I have no idea what the other film that was playing, because that didn't matter in the slightest. The theater was located in the center of the mall. The entrance was through a glassed-in walkway. It was next to a bakery and a Weight Watchers on either side. In front of the entrance was a tiny booth with glass on three sides. A speaker embedded into the front panel and an arched, 
mousehole-style opening to pass money through and receive my tickets. It was the first time I'd gone to a movie by myself, alone, and I felt awkward, just a bit nervous. Was this a thing that people did? Go to movies alone? Did that make me a loser? I didn't want anyone to think I was a loser. In the booth was a young girl, teenager. I slid her my money, cleared my throat, and asked for my ticket, adding in a far too loud voice, A friend is meeting me here later. The girl stared at me, slid my ticket through the mouse hole, and shrugged. I'm sure you'll have a good time. She said it in a voice that indicated how unimpressed she was by me or anything I might do. As you entered the theater, there was a small lobby. A snack counter on the left and on the right, a tiny little alcove where two video games stood. One was a golf game with a rotor ball, and the other was Donkey Kong. Directly ahead was a podium where someone would stand to take tickets, and a hallway leading either left or right, depending on which movie you were seeing. But there was no one there. So I went over and I played a game of Donkey Kong. It was a particular favorite of mine, though I wasn't very good at it, and I was killed pretty quickly. Then I turned around and waited at the snack counter for someone to show up. When no one did, I timidly said, Hello? And then a head peeked out of a doorway next to the popcorn machine. It was a teenage boy with far too much acne for one human. You need something? he asked. I held out my arm with my ticket poised between my thumb and forefinger. You want to rip my ticket? I asked. Nah, you're good he said, and he went back in that little room. Huh. I could have just walked right in here, I thought, without paying or anything. But that thought quickly passed, and I went into the theater. It was mostly empty, maybe five or more people showed up. But it was lunchtime on a Monday, and I guess that's normal. I sat in the back row, in the middle, and then the lights went down. Now, the first ten minutes or so of Star Wars is probably one of the most brilliant things in cinema history. The blue words, silent on a black background, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That set the stage. It was a fantasy. It was a fairy tale. Then the burst of energy that is the John Williams score, that triumphant theme as the scroll of words go up the screen and fade away into nothing. It tells us where we are as if we just walked in on an ongoing story. Then a small ship coming from the top frame, followed by an immense triangular Star Destroyer, comes from behind us over our heads and swallows it up. Inside the smaller ship, white armored villains invade, followed by a dark, menacing man with an angular mask. He surveys the dead, his breath loud and ominous, echoing throughout the corridors. And then it gets better. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie experience that day. I was in rapt attention. It was so great to see it again. The familiar scenes, the great characters. I liked it so much, I decided to go again the next day. The same girl was in the booth when I paid, and the same boy was not paying attention behind the snack counter. As I sat in the theater, in the same seat, I had that same thought I had the day before. I bet I could just walk in here without paying or anything. The theater went dark, and the movie was great again. And when it was over, I had come up with a plan. The next day I parked my bike and came in sideways so as not to be seen by the girl in the booth. I entered the lobby and walked slowly toward the theater entrance. 
I glanced over to the boy who wasn't there behind the snacks. The lobby that only yesterday was so tiny, it now seemed to be miles long. I wanted to run, make a break for it, but I forced myself to stay calm, take it slow, one step at a time. There was sweat on my brow, my palms felt sticky. At any time, I expected a voice to shout, Hey! You didn't buy a ticket! I'm calling the cops! But that didn't happen. In fact, nothing happened. I just walked in. I took the same seat I had taken the day before, and I watched Star Wars. My heart pounded the whole time, and I kept expecting someone to kick me out, but it never happened. And the movie seemed slightly better that day. The next day, I decided to try it again, and it was the same, although slightly easier. And the next day was easier still. I found the weekends easiest of all. With more people around mingling, I could just slip into a crowd, hide in plain sight. At this point, I was a movie ninja, silent and invisible to all eyes, moving freely in and out of the theater. This was my domain now, and Star Wars was my prize. The following week started well, till one day, I walked in, and the acne-faced boy was there, behind the counter, just staring right at me. I stood there in the middle of the lobby, exposed, no longer an invisible ninja, I was seen. I resisted the urge to run. Rather, I just turned towards the Donkey Kong machine, and I played a game. Not really paying attention to the game, mind you, but feeling the weight of that boy's eyes upon me. When I lost my final life, I had two options. I could turn to leave, or... I reached into my pocket. I still had my unused ticket from the previous week. I pulled it out, and I extended it towards the acne-faced boy. You want to rip my ticket? I asked. Nah, you're good. I calmly entered the theater. I had played my bluff card, and it worked. At this point I realized, no, I wasn't a ninja anymore. I was James freaking Bond. Now I should mention that seeing a movie this many times in a row, you begin to pick up on things. I could at this point recite the dialogue with the characters, that was a given, but I began to notice things like directorial flourishes, musical cues, quirks of the actors. I began to not just watch the film, but to analyze it and appreciate it in ways that were more than just a surface space opera adventure story. And yes, there are flaws in this movie. Clunky dialogue, stiff delivery, the effects occasionally show cracks and at least one person bumps their head. But that didn't diminish my appreciation, no, just the opposite. That just added to the whole spectacle. The more I saw it, the more I loved it. By day 12, I was beginning to feel invincible. Nothing could stop me. I was a ghost. I was the Phantom of Star Wars. It was a ritual now, an addiction. Not only the movie, but the rush of getting away with something. I was the smooth criminal of cinema. I went in that 12th day, sat in my customary seat, and when the medal ceremony ended and the credits rolled, I left. But as I was leaving, the acne-faced boy was standing there by the front door. Hey, he said in a rather disinterested way. No more. What? I tried to look as shocked as I possibly could, putting on my best whatever-could-you-mean face. He just sort of laughed, but it sounded more like an exhale of breath. <laughs> You're done, okay? No more. I nodded and left, a bit deflated, a bit embarrassed. So it turns out 
I wasn't as clandestine as I thought. I wasn't, in fact, putting one over on anyone. I was just being indulged by a bored teenager with a summer job. But, to be fair, I don't think Acne Face Boy worked every day, so I must have gotten past somebody, right? I must have some sneaky cred somewhere along the line. But, oh well. The thought I was being bad was exciting while it lasted, even if it turned out to be just an illusion. Still, I did get to see Star Wars 12 times in a row, and that's pretty great. So that's it. That's my whole story. Just a thing that happened to a lonely kid one summer, and when I felt alone, I had Star Wars, and a bit of harmless crime to get me through it. Not long after this whole thing, school started, I got new friends, connected with old friends, and that whole incident was completely put out of my mind. That is, until someone mentioned Star Wars, and I would say, you know, I saw Star Wars 12 times in a row once. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it's not the usual format. This isn't really a proper story. It's just an anecdote, really. Doesn't have much of a point. But it was fun to tell and to talk about. Again, I hope it translates. All right, I won't be back until the new year with a new story or an old one. Who can predict the future? That would require me to actually plan something in advance. We all know that's not going to happen. Maybe I'll talk about Star Wars again because this was fun. Okay, that just leaves me to say... You've been listening to The Elkcast, a storytelling podcast. The Elkcast is a Daddy Elk production. Star Wars and all related titles are copyright their respective owners, and all materials used on this program are for illustrative purposes only, and no infringement is intended. You can contact the show by email, elkcast at daddyelk.com, or on Twitter, at daddyelk. Use the hashtag, elkcast. Or online, at daddyelk.com, or paulmatthewcar.com, where comments can be left on individual episodes. The Elkcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please head on over and leave comments there as well. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Okay, that's it for this thing that I do. Till next time, bye. Bye.